It's time for a market update. In this episode, Tanner talks about what has and has not changed since our last market update, which we recorded in late June in quarter number two. We recorded this episode on Monday, September 26th. This is episode 28, quarter three market update. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Financially Sharp Podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner. I'm joined, as always, with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, wealth manager, and industry expert, Tanner Bortnam. Today is Monday, September 26th. As we enter the third quarter, it's time for a market update. Our last market update episode, which was for quarter two, came in June. Our intent for this podcast is to continue to do market update episodes every quarter. So this this episode, episode 28, will serve as quarter three's market update. On Wednesday, September 21st, Chairman Jerome Powell announced the Federal Reserve announced, announced the federal fund rate will increase another 75 basis points as it tries to hawkishly curb inflation rates. I think that was Forbes' word, not mine, Tanner. Hawkishly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a term they use <laughs> when uh, describing the Fed, whether they're being hawkish, which is aggressive, or dovish, which means they're being very accommodative. So they're, they're Fed terms. I like it. Yeah. Yep. So what has changed since our last update? Yeah, well, you know, as you mentioned um, last Wednesday, they... Uh, other than what I just said. Right, <laughs> yep. So they raised the rates, uh, another 0.75 or 75 basis points. Um, so since our last meeting, or not meeting, but our last uh, review, quarterly review, which was at the end of Q2, um, the well, the Fed has, has raised interest rates... Set, uh, 75 basis points three consecutive times. So we are up to 3% uh, that they've increased so far this year. Um, So that's, that's a big change because as we were talking about it, you know, we, last time we anticipated they're going to raise it 75 basis points or, or they just had raised it 75 basis points. I think for the first time, which we had discussed was the highest single um, rate increase since 1994. And they've, done this now three times in a row. Um, so that's changed, uh, obviously. Um, some things that... Let's start with a few things that actually haven't changed and, and why we kind of are where we are. And some things that haven't changed is, you know, inflation is still stubbornly high. Um, you know, it's still in the low eights. I think it is 
Well, I shouldn't say I think. It is cooling off a little bit each month on a year-over-year basis, but it is still significantly too high. Um, you know, I think the president misspoke in one of his recent interviews when he said that we had zero inflation uh, <laughs> the last month because that's clearly clearly wrong. Um, I think what he was meaning was the inflation didn't increase. It, it didn't get yeah, it didn't get worse as it as it than it was on a year over year basis. And what that means is just looking at what was the price of something, you know, last August or last September versus what's the price now. And that number is starting to come down. It's in the low eights, uh, but it's it's still really high. And I think the Fed thought that it would be moving more than than it is. So that's still basically where it is. Um, unemployment is still very low. Uh, it ticked up just a bit. It's currently at three point seven, but again, that's that's pretty. Well, not pretty. That's very low historically. Uh, it's not the lowest we've ever had, but it's it's very, very low. Um, and that's an indicator that the Fed is looking at. So that has stayed the same. Uh, there's still approximately two open jobs for every person that is unemployed and, and looking for a job. Um, so that stayed the same. Um, in June, we had talked about that the Fed and the money supply, um, you know, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. But if you want to know more about the M2 and the money supply and why it's such a huge um, deal and should be more of a focus of media, the Fed, all these all these different places. Um, we talked about it in June and then we also have another episode from like last November or December where we talked about inflation and the impact of the money supply. That has... Uh, from the Fed side of things, they were supposed to be, I shouldn't say supposed to be, they they said they were going to be uh, selling about $90 billion per month to help lower the money supply. They haven't really done any of that yet. It's gone down a little bit, but not nearly at what they had projected they would do. Um, and we'll get into why that's kind of a bigger issue later on in this episode. Um, and, and then from a, a negative consequence side, so some of the things that, that now getting into what has changed, but keeping it with the money supply is, you know, over the last month or, or a little more, Congress has passed a bunch of new bills that have added, you know, easily over $1 trillion into the economy, um, which from an inflationary standpoint is a, is a bad thing. Um, so that has actually increased the monetary supply. So the Fed has more of its work cut out for it. Um, and then let's see, that is, oh, and then the dot plot. Uh, this is one of the biggest changes, um, that we've seen, particularly since we, um, had our last market update in June. And what the dot plot is, is if you hear about this, so the Fed has their meeting, they determine what they're going to raise interest rates. So this time again, it was 75 basis points. And then they have this dot plot. And what it is, is it's, all the people that are a part of the Fed give their best guess at where they think the federal funds rate will be, you know, one month from now, two months from now, three months, six months, all these different things. And the, the so it's, it's kind of, you can try to read into it of, of what 
the Fed is thinking about doing in the future. Again, it's not a crystal ball. The Fed has every right to change their mind, but um, it, it at least gives you some data into the future. And this changed quite a bit. Um, it they've gotten to use you know the term at the beginning. They've gotten a lot more hawkish or aggressive. And, you know, it is expected to, based on this dot plot, you know, it's expected that they're going to raise interest rates another 1% to 1.5% by the end of this year. Um, you know, that's only three more months. So that's another three pretty big rate hikes um, if they're going to keep on this pace that could be happening. And, and again, when we were looking at this in June, you know, they had said, well, we, we want to do, you know, a few big ones to get ahead of this. And then we, um, you know, we'll be data driven and look at the data and, and, you know, the estimation of the dot plot at that point, I think were maybe we get to 3% by the end of the year. And now we're looking closer to four and a half, maybe 5% by the end of the year. So why that, not just, oh. why not just, why wait? Why, why not just, are they still trying to do their soft landing? Why not just, uh, if they're projecting one to one and a half by the end of the year, why not go up to a full base uh, or a hundred or a full percent? Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. And I don't think anyone other than the Fed knows the answer to that. Um, we can speculate, uh, you know, they say that they're data driven, so they're trying to do this methodically. But then on the other side of things, they've said that they want to get ahead of it and they want to, you know, the they need to act swiftly and and more aggressively at the front end so that, you know, it, it's kind of like the reverse of compound interest, right? Like if they can do a bunch of the heavy lifting ahead of time, then hopefully they they have a less that less rate hikes that they have to do and they don't have to get as high as a total than if it they do 25 basis point rate hikes for three years or whatever they might have to go a lot higher so i think there's some thoughts into that um but if i had to guess the real reason is is that they have you know powell gets interviewed regularly and then he has to go to congress and they ask him a bunch of questions and, you know, there might be a handful of people in Congress that actually know anything about economics and what he's talking about, but they all get to ask him a bunch of questions and, and he kind of signals what they're going to do without saying what they're going to do. And it was expected from the market standpoint that they were going to raise it another 75 basis points. So an argument could be made that if they came out and raised it 1%, you know, maybe that's better for the economy, but maybe that's not as good for the markets themselves because the market was expecting 75 basis points and you did, you know, 100 basis points. Um, again, I don't know. That's speculation. Um, but what happens if they overreach? Does it crush the growth too much? Yeah. Yes. And and, and that's where, you know, we'll, we'll get to that um, kind of later in the episode as we roll this out of continuing to talk about, you know, how I hope things go from here and my concerns, but yes, that that is that's in my concerns bucket. Is if if uh, you know if interest rates get too high, you you can put a you know you can put the brakes on the economy, and 
you know, that that's the hope is that they don't do that. So I think they are trying to still do that soft landing that we talked about. It's just, it's, it's, it's significantly harder. Their job is significantly harder. Um, and the probability of, of that happening is, is a lot less likely than when we did this market, um, kind of review it back in June. It just, Inflation has has stuck around. It hasn't come down like they expected it to. Um, you know, unemployment hasn't gone up, uh, which again, weird thing to to kind of say, um, or or, and I don't want to say root for, but it it's one of the things the Fed looks at is if unemployment unemployment is going up, that's a sign of of the economy cooling off. Um, you know, so none of the indicators have really done much. And then again, like I said, Congress went and threw over a trillion dollars of more money into the market. Well, that's not, or, or not the market, but into the economy. Well, that's not going to help inflation at all. That just added a trillion dollars of money to businesses and or individuals to go spend. And when people have money, they don't, you know, they're not as, as price conscientious as, as when you know, money is tight. And so, um, yeah, the Fed's job is definitely cut out for it. In our, in our last episode, you were hesitant to call what we're in a recession. Mm-hmm. You talked about the flash recession caused by the pandemic in 2020. Um, so now that we have three more months of data to look back on from our last market update, um, are we officially in a recession yet? Are, are economists saying that we're in a recession? And what's your opinion? Um, I would say that it's it's pretty much the same um, as as June as far as what economists or or people out there are saying. Um, you know, you have the what I consider the the fear mongers, and those were the people that were calling for a recession back that we were in a recession back in May and June. Um, and they've been proven wrong, but you know, eventually, as long as they continue to say that we're in a recession, they will eventually get it right and then call themselves geniuses. Um, but they're wrong. Um, people who said we weren't in a recession, uh, in June, uh, you know, and, and I was in that camp, I didn't think we were in a recession. And again, I'm not basing this off of me. I'm not saying that I'm an expert in this area. It's just, I do a lot of research and, and read a lot of, um, you know, information from some really, really intelligent people. And they were saying that we're not in a recession and laid out the facts of why we weren't. And it makes sense. So uh, we're, we're in the same boat. I mean, that's kind of, you know, what, what I was saying, like inflation is still high. Unemployment is still super low. You know, one of the, one of the key components of a recession is that unemployment needs to start rising. I and mean, we've gone up 0.1%. And there's two jobs available for any unemployed person looking for work like that isn't an indication of a recession a recession is there are not enough jobs for the amount of people looking for it and we are we're still a long ways from that you know um as i mentioned earlier it's something that's kind of weird to root for and again i don't want to say i'm rooting for it. i don't want anyone to lose their job it's just an un unfortunate byproduct of what has to happen for the economy to cool down and, and inflation to cool off, we need either people to lose their jobs and the unemployment to go up or 
the businesses that are currently offering those jobs need to cool down and those jobs get, you know, those job opportunities just get taken away and go away. And now all of a sudden, if there's one job for every one person out there, we're a lot closer, but we're, we're just not at that point yet. So, um, I, I would say, I don't think we're still in a recession based on what I've been reading and hearing. Um, as an economy as a whole. Now, if people want to cherry pick certain industries, sure. I mean, the housing market probably is in one. Um, you know, there, there's different areas of the market that have definitely cooled off a lot faster. And, you know, you could say that the decrease in, um, you know, applications for new homes and because the interest rates going up, uh, ha- has probably you know cooled that off, and maybe maybe the real estate market is is in a recession. Because um, again, and, and I want to make sure we go over this again, but recession isn't the end of the world. Like we just think it is because we you know we remember the last two of them, and it was two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, and two thousand two thousand one, and they were terrible, terrible recessions. But does anyone remember the recession of nineteen ninety four? Like that was just a regular recession where the economy slowed down because that's what a recession is. is It's just the economy slowing down. Now, how much it slows down, you know, creates the magnitude of of a recession. But you can still have, you know, an economy that's working okay and be in a recession. And that's that's the path we are teetering on. Is are we going to go into a recession? And if we do how severe is it, so to speak? So I don't think we're inherently there um, of the economists out there. They have moved their timelines up. A lot of them think it's next year and the range is anywhere from late quarter one next year to you know early quarter one 2024 type of a thing. So I don't think we're quite there yet. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So with... With the, my next question is simply, did they wait too long? And to explain that and to elaborate, when we had that defined flash recession, I don't know when they defined that, how long it took for them um, post-pandemic to to name that flash recession, obviously a time we've never seen before. Um, But given that that happened and the infusion of PPP dollars that was printed and injected into the economy, couldn't they foresee that you know inflation is going to skyrocket and we're going to be in this place? Did they wait too long to to raise the interest rates? Oh yes, yes, that is absolutely unquestioned. Um, even Fed Powell has said that. Um, you know that w- they should have acted sooner. But hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, they didn't, so they are where they are. But yes, they absolutely should have. And that—that's where I, you know, made that comment about only a handful of people in Congress probably actually know anything about economics. Because, you know, on one hand, I sit here and listen to them talk about how the Fed should have started sooner and they should have saw this coming and blah blah blah. But then on the other hand, you know, Congress was half of the problem, if not more, because they just keep printing money 
I shouldn't say printing money because it's part of the Fed's job, but they, they just keep passing bills that requires the printing of money or the infusion of money into the economy. And yeah, the PPP, well, that was created by Congress. Um, you know, all of the money that went out as stimulus checks, however many, three, four different rounds of that that went out to basically everybody. Um, you know, any of the bills that were passed, I mean, since the pandemic came out, I don't know the exact numbers, but we got to be pushing $5 trillion maybe sure. four, four yeah. or five trillion dollars that have gone into pandemic relief and or trying to stimulate the economy. And, and again, like the analogy that, that I made um, before on this and that I've heard, so I'll go over it real quick. It's, it's the Apple analogy, if, you've, if you remember it from a previous episode. But what happens is if you have 10 apples and you have $10 in the economy, every apple is worth $1. But as soon as you put more money in there, which Congress and the Fed, so let's just say the government did, they put 30% more money into the money supply or, or into the economy. So now you have $13 and 10 apples. So every apple is now worth $1.30 because that's how it works. And until they take that money out of the economy, inflation is going to be around. And that's the part that the Fed has not started taking that money out. Raising interest rates helps slow down the demand and will help lower it some. But they also could be taking money out of the market and out of the economy um, through the money supply and by selling assets off of their books. I mean, they raise their books insane amounts. And Congress, same thing. If they really wanted to help and if inflation really was important to them, they'd quit You know, this open checkbook policy that we've had for however many, you know, the last, well, for a really, really long time, but particularly since the pandemic, you know, that was five trillion or four trillion or whatever the you know it ends up being of new spending through the bills that went into the economy that has to work its way through. Like it just doesn't it doesn't just evaporate. Like those dollars are out there. And the only way that in the past we've kept inflation so low is because technology has been advancing so much that we become more efficient. And it helps us go from, you know, if Congress or or the government adds the the 30% more, so we're at $13 in the economy. Well, if technology helps us make 13 apples instead of 10, well, now we're back to a dollar for a dollar. But, you know, we're, we have to, we put so much money into the economy that, you know, technology and, and, and efficiencies can't keep up with that. And that needs to come back out. And um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of where, where the rub is and, you know, raising interest rates, are they behind the eight ball? Yeah, of course. And that's why they're trying to do these huge increases right now to catch up basically. Uh, concerns as we move forward? Well, yeah, let's, I don't, I was going to say, I mean, I have my hope and I have my concern. Uh, do you want to do good news, bad news <laughs> type scenario first? Let's end on a good note. So let's okay. do concerns first. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, so my concerns from here, uh, I have gotten much more cautious 
uh, you know, the narrative of the Fed has changed over the past three months. Um, and with their increased hawkishness uh, and aggressiveness, uh, inflation hasn't moved a ton yet. Um, but one of the things that, that concerns me is that they've been so aggressive so continuously um, and back to back to back because what they what the Fed says is that, you know, they're going to be aggressive in the short term, but that they're going to remain data driven. And if any of our listeners you know, remember from our last uh, quarterly update, when I was talking about this, a lot of the data that they're operating off of is past data. And what data? What, you mentioned employment rate. Yeah. Is are they just cherry picking some certain things? Is it moving goalposts? What 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 are what are the priority data that they look at? Um yeah, well, I mean, they look at a, they look at a lot. One of the ones that gets brought up a lot is CPI, so the consumer price index, and then um uh the Fed will do like a modified consumer price index that takes out um like energy and something else food i think or something that that's more a lot more volatile um because then you get a, you get like a core cpi is what they call that and they look they sure. look at, at that um how but, fast is how fast does their their basis points and in hiking that initial fed rate how long does that take months gets the cpi months yeah, I, mean, I mean yeah because think about it's you know, an undefined i mean it's not science it's probably more of an art Oh, absolutely. And that and that's you're you're hitting the nail on the head of where I'm getting cautious because it takes months. I mean, if, if you think about what raising interest rates does, right? Is so if they're gonna raise interest rates, it means it makes it more expensive for anyone to go out and um borrow borrow money from bank. And so, you know, we're seeing this in the housing market. Housing applications or mortgage applications have have gone, you know, way down. And that's because mortgage interest rates have have, have gone up. Well, if you were already, you know, locked in your rate or, you know, whatever in the process of purchasing your house, that, you know, you, you were in that process. It doesn't just be like, oh, the Fed raised rates once and instantaneously X amount of people stop. Like you're sure. in the process and then they raise it again and it makes it even harder. And then they raise it again and it makes it even harder. And so you have to let those things work themselves out. And that is actually a pretty quick timeline when you think about a house because a lot of people, when they're actually in looking for a mortgage, I mean, you're closing within 30 days, 45 days. Yep. So it's it's a pretty quick turnaround. But what about business? You know, people, uh, companies that are trying to do capital expenditures where they're, they're building a $50 million building. I mean, that's not something that gets accomplished in in a month. Like these are decisions that businesses are making. And every time you raise these rates, it makes it harder for them to to do this as well. And so that that data is going to take months to get into, you know, into the economy and see where it where it where it's going and how things are are progressing. And and that is where my concern is, is they've done three big hikes all in a row with indications that they want to do another one uh, or a hundred to a hundred and fifty basis points over the next three months. That is so much so quick that you're not letting the data catch up to you because the data you're using is backward data. And, you know, the again, the data that they used 
to determine to raise them just last week here in September was data from August, you know, and and then revised data from July and revised data from June. Like it's it has to not only are they using data from at least a month ago, they're also that data, like what they're doing has to take time to work into the economy to give accurate data. And what I'm concerned and, and more people are starting to get concerned of is that they over tighten. They make too many big jumps and then they say, okay, well now we'll let the data catch up. And now all of a sudden, yeah, inflation's coming down because you over tightened and we could, you know, that could throw us into a recession in and of itself. And if they over tighten way too much, that could, instead of us going into a recession and it being a shallow recession like 1994, it could be, you know, a, a deeper recession. I'm not going to say it's going to be 2007, 2008 situation, but it could be a deeper one. Or it could even ca- possibly cause deflation because what they, 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 they kind of seem to live in this fantasy land to a certain extent where they're like, we're going to bring down inflation and then just keep it at 2%. Well, I mean, basically what you're doing, like think about this airplane, right? Like you, you had an airplane that took off and you weren't paying attention and it got to too high of an altitude and all of a sudden like you don't have oxygen or whatever. So now you need to get to a lower eleva- uh, a lower altitude, right? So you just nosedive this airplane and then you're just going to automatically pull up and just hit cruising altitude perfectly and then just stay right there like... That the economy doesn't work that way and inflation doesn't work that way. So, I mean, if they, I think one of the, the real risks is that if they are successful in really bringing down inflation really quickly, I would, I would be very concerned because I don't know how they're going to just magically get that to stop at the two to 3% range that they're trying to get to and have it just flatline there when they've already done this stuff and and the data, you know, so we could get a deflationary period where they got too high and all of a sudden, you know, maybe we go negative. I mean, who knows? So that that's a concern. Um, another concern of mine is Congress continues its spending spree, but I mean, we should just really expect that because neither political party seems to have any regard for um, finances at this point. Um, and... Yeah, and then we kind of talked about you know the likelihood of going into recession has increased. Um, you know, no one knows if we will or when we will exactly. It's just the probability of it ha- has increased from from where we were uh, you know last time in in June when we did this. So, I will say for for the listeners, I do enjoy your notes that say get more Congress get more financially. Sorry, fiscally responsible. Dot dot dot. L O L. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I was typing it out, I you know, uh, I laughed at myself for even typing that and and hoping you know that's in my my hopes list. But uh, yeah, it, it, we oh, should just sorry. not. That's all right. We we should just not expect expect that to happen. So it it's you know unlikely that. Uh, that they'll all of a sudden figure it out and realize that they have a, you know, maybe not an equal part to play in inflation, but you know, monetary policy is not just the Fed; it is also Congress and and their spending. Well, and and or the president, you know, if the president does executive orders that cause spending, so um, it it all has an impact on inflation. It's just wild when you bring in like the political part of it and like presidents and offices and parties changing and 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like all the change that happens. Four years sounds like a long time, but it, and when you talk about economics, and I'm not an economist, it just seems like you don't give it itself enough time to work it out or let let it play out. Right. Well, and that's why the Fed is supposed to be non-political, um, and they they serve you know offsetting terms and all of that. But Congress, like I said, Congress has a role to play in this, and they right and, and timing of it. You know, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, um, you know. I'll tiptoe a bit into into politics. Like whether you believe in any of the bills that were passed over the last month or not doesn't really matter to this discussion. It just looking at them objectively and the extra trillion plus dollars that was just put into the economy, not good for inflation. So the timing of that was not good to help lower inflation. Now, Strategy-wise, with the up upcoming midterms, I totally get why they were passed a month or two before people go to the or whatever it'll end up being. I guess two to three months right before the you know the uh, we go to the election. Like good strategy move, um, but you know with recency bias and everything. But from a purely inflationary looking at that in a silo, you know, not good to try to help lower inflation. So yeah, it definitely the po politics, unfortunately gets its dirty little fingers into all aspects of life. Uh, hopes? Let's end on a, a brighter yeah, note. Absolutely. So my hopes are, I don't think all is lost. I hope that this um, episode hasn't been doom or gloom. I just, you know, as always, we want to just get, you know, give it to you straight um, and, and not beat around the bush or anything like that for our listeners. Um, but my hopes from here is that, you know, the Fed, um, well, let's start with this one. So I hope that their hawkishness, uh, you know, their particularly the commentary in between rate hikes, um, you know, where, where Powell's talking with Congress and are getting interviewed um, is I hope that it's somewhat of a, a play or, a, you know, a, what am I trying to say? Um, a charade type thing. You know, I, I hope that it, it it's it's a little bit of, of them, you know, exaggerating and trying to almost fear us as as citizens into a recession and and thinking that one's going to happen. Because if they can do that, I mean, if if we think about it from that standpoint, if they're able to slow the consumer down because again that's part of inflation as well as all of us if we're willing to if the demand is there for whatever it is and people will continue to pay higher value then that, that's going to cause that causes inflation if people slow down spending and we start you know worrying a recession may be coming up so we start hunkering down we stop you know we slow down our spending on certain areas um, and become more conservative, we're helping as a whole, we're helping do some of that work for the Fed as well. And then interest rates don't have to get so high. So I'm really hoping that that is the case, is that they're trying to fear us into them being really aggressive. It may be a recession coming and you know bad times on the horizon so that we start to help do a little bit of that lifting um, in, in bringing down the demand 
as well. So, uh, you know, I hope that that is the case rather than they're really just that hawkish. Um, you know, as, as we talked about in, in my concerns of why, why I hope that they aren't that aggressive. Um, so I hope that that's the case. Um, I hope that, you know, based on that, then they start slowing rate hikes. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not an expert in this. I feel like they probably have to keep raising interest rates to a certain extent, but if they could just do 25 basis points or something smaller and let the data catch up, you know, what we talked about, like let the data catch up to you to see where you're at so that you don't overcook this and get rates way too high. And then all of a sudden you have to immediately cut them. And then that takes months to work itself through the economy as well. So um, that, that's a hope is that they start slowing down and, and get back to what they're saying of being data dependent. Um uh, I hope that they start actually selling off assets from their book. Uh, this is the the money supply that we, I always talk about. You know, that has a huge effect on inflation as well. Start getting some of that money out of the economy. And easiest way to do that is by selling assets off the book rather than raising interest rates and hoping that you know citizens... Um, just buy less stuff or take out less debt and hoping that that in and of itself cools inflation enough, like start taking some money out of the, out of the economy as well. Um, yeah, I won't even say that there's the, the one you mentioned, the hope that Congress stops spending money. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, the last one here, uh, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to say this. And, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't want any person to lose their job unfortunately for the better of the entire country because inflation right now is hurting every person in this country for the betterment of the entire country we either need inflation or not inflation we need unemployment numbers to go up or we need job openings to go down or a combination of the two and you know that's a hard thing to try to root for i mean is it better for the economy if people lose their jobs and are unemployed Yes. Does that mean that it's a good outcome? Absolutely not. You know, we're in a terrible situation where we're trying to, I mean, it's not even we, the Fed is trying to choose between two terrible things. Do you let inflation stay high that hurts every American citizen? Or do you raise interest rates and maybe, you know, cool down the economy, which causes people to get laid off from their jobs? Also not good. But, um, you know, that's why they're in the positions that they're in to make those decisions. And if we want inflation to go down, we need to see that unemployment uh, rate going up or uh, open jobs going down, which again, neither of those things are good or, or that you really want to have happening on a regular, regular basis. So, um, so yeah, well, I guess we didn't really end that on a good one. I mean, that's a hope, but then that was a, that was a sad (laughs) hope. (laughs) So, well, it's just so it's so odd to me, and maybe it's just because you see a, a lot of the, uh, um, the job openings and demand in certain industries, like the hospitality industry. I feel like there's just so many. Um, ever since the pandemic happened, I'm just like, what is everybody doing that yep. isn't working? Like, how, are, how did they well, go we, to a different sector? Or are they uh, there? There's know. a there's a number of things. Um, so you know, with, with COVID that happened, you know, obviously, unfortunately, we had um, 
a lot of people pass away. Now, again, some of those people were uh, retired, so they weren't working, but there were people you know, that were working. And so that take, took people out of the employment pool. Then there was people who just got so overworked, like you see this more in uh, like nurses. They, they would work so hard that they were just like, no, I'm just done with this industry and I'm going to go do something else. So there's definitely certain parts uh, of the economy that got hit harder in terms of people leaving that, that industry. And then you add on top that people were getting paid stimulus and people were actually really smart with their money uh, over the pandemic and how they got funds from the government and they, they saved them. Yes, people spent money, but they also saved it. And some of it was forced because we couldn't do as much. But, you know, a lot of it was people, people made really good choices and they saved that money. Well, then that allows you to, maybe you retired early. There's tons of people who retired early um, and other people who just haven't been required to go back to work yet because they still have stuff that's in savings. And then the last one was, and this, you know, is the unfortunate part of, of where we are is, the economy was crushing it. And so businesses were were growing and opening new jobs. And so that led to, um, you know, for example, what you're talking about, the, the food service industry, you know, people left that because the restaurants couldn't be open. So they found jobs elsewhere because the economy was doing really, really well. And now, unfortunately, we have to, uh, and again, I don't want to say we, I'm not a part of this. The Fed has to kind of, crush that a little bit so that we can get inflation down because we didn't deal with inflation in time like we should have, you know, a year ago. So that's, that's how we got to the point of, you know, having unemployment as low as it is in so many jobs, um, but also having high inflation. It's a really odd combination for those two things to exist at the same time. Right on. Anything else? Nope. I think that's good. Um, You know, as always, I guess a closing thing, as always, if you don't have a financial advisor, you should definitely find one. Go uh, check out our previous episodes on how to find a good one to make sure you're getting taken care of really well. Um, But yeah, talk with that person. Get with them. Make sure you have a good plan. Um, You know, things are changing and you should have a plan in place that can handle this and it should have been in place already. But if not, you know, now is a better time to try working on something or get a plan in place than a month or two or three from now. I already got a financial advisor. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. It helps our podcast and we appreciate it very much. Questions or suggestions, shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.